You're listening to Come Follow Me Weekly, a weekly podcast with thoughts and insights for the Come Follow Me lessons of The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. I'm your host, Heather Weber. Thanks for being here with me this week. This week's lesson is entitled, I Will Go and Do, and it covers 1 Nephi chapters 1 through 7. And this week I am coming to you from an Airbnb in Provo, Utah. Let me tell you a little bit about my week. Last Thursday morning, my husband and I were ready to take our son and daughter down to Utah so that they could get moved in and get ready to start school at BYU this week. And that morning, my son mentioned that his stomach was kind of hurting, but that he was okay and he still wanted to go. So we left and got to our hotel in Provo. And that night, my son started having some pretty severe stomach pains, but he didn't have a fever and he wasn't throwing up or anything. And the same thing had kind of happened right after he got home from his mission couple months ago. So we weren't super concerned about it. So we gave him some ibuprofen and some herbal supplements to help settle his stomach. And then the next morning, we got my daughter all moved in, my son still wasn't feeling well. And so he stayed with us again that night. And the next morning, it was time for my husband and I to leave and my son still wasn't doing well. And he looked awful. His skin looked bad and his eyes looked bad. And I was really worried. So we took him over to the urgent care. And at the urgent care, they took one look at him and sent us to the emergency room. And while we were at the emergency room, we found out that my son's appendix had burst two days earlier. So he'd been walking around for two days with a burst appendix. So instead of moving into his apartment, he had emergency surgery and had to stay in the hospital for three days. Oh my goodness. And luckily, his surgery went as good as we could possibly have hoped for. It turned out to be no worse than a regular appendix surgery, and it could have been so much worse. And the tender mercies that we have seen during this whole event were more than I can even tell you in this short podcast, but it's been an eventful week, a little more than we were wishing for, but I feel like everything's going to be okay. So I'm just down here in Provo to help my son get moved in and try to get to class without re-injuring himself. And he's going to class today. We'll see how it goes. Sometimes life is pretty unexpected. I actually have had some time to study this lesson this week amidst all the chaos. And this lesson is really good. And studying it this week has given me a lot to think about and given me a lot of peace that I've really needed. And if all of the lessons are this good, it's going to be a really great year studying our Come Follow Me. The paragraph at the top of the lesson says, The Book of Mormon begins with an account of a real family experiencing real struggles. It happened in 600 BC, but there are things about this account that might sound familiar to families today. This family was living in a world of increasing wickedness, but the Lord promised them that if they would follow Him, He would lead them to safety. Along the way, they had good moments and bad moments. They experienced great blessings and miracles, but they also had their fair share of arguments and contention. Rarely in scripture is there such a lengthy account of a family trying to live the gospel, a father struggling to inspire faith in his family, sons deciding whether they will believe him, a mother fearing for the safety of her children, and brothers dealing with jealousy and contention, and sometimes forgiving each other. Overall, there is real power in following the examples of faith that this family, despite their imperfections, demonstrated. And I might add to that that this is also a story of a family who went on an extended camping trip that no one really wanted to go on. (laughs) And I don't know about your family road trips, but it seems like when you put people in a family together in close quarters or in uncomfortable circumstances for an extended period of time, people tend to get a little more testy with each other and a little less patient. And maybe the deficient sides of our personalities tend to come out a little bit more. 
And when I stopped and considered that angle of the story of Lehi's family, it gave me kind of a new perspective on some of the people in this story and their attitudes. The story of Lehi's family also helps me to see that we need opposition in our lives, as miserable as that sometimes can be. Having struggles helps us to use our agency to hopefully make good choices so that we can see where the real strength comes in our lives. And I think the story of Lehi's family is a great example of all of those things. The first section of the lesson talks about how the scriptures are of great worth, and it asks this question. As you read 1 Nephi 1-6, through what do you learn about why the word of God is of great worth? Now, my thoughts on this maybe went in a little different direction, but when I was thinking about this, it really made me consider the importance of keeping a journal. If these people hadn't kept records, we wouldn't have the Book of Mormon today. And if they hadn't have thought to write these things down, we wouldn't have all of these awesome accounts that help us to learn things about ourselves and how to help us in our own struggles. And I think the scriptures, especially the Book of Mormon, can help us to see patterns in other people's lives so that hopefully we can learn from those things and not make the same mistakes. And think of all the things you know and can read and learn about our Savior because someone kept a record of what was happening. And I think that just like the scriptures can help us see patterns in other people's lives, keeping a personal journal can do the same thing for us. We can record spiritual experiences or times when things didn't go so well, and we can look back on those things and maybe see the patterns in our own life And then as we listen to the Spirit, it can help us to know how we need to change. The next section of the lesson talks about how the Book of Mormon testifies of Jesus Christ. And it talks about Lehi's vision of the Savior. In chapter 1, verse 14, it says, And it came to pass that when my father had read and seen many great and marvelous things, he did exclaim many things unto the Lord, such as, Great and marvelous are thy works, O Lord God Almighty. Thy throne is high in the heavens, and thy power and goodness and mercy are over all the inhabitants of the earth. And because thou art merciful, thou wilt not suffer those who come unto thee that they shall perish. And I think we see over and over again in the Book of Mormon that our Savior is full of power and goodness and mercy, and that following him is the only way to find true peace and happiness in this life. Last week, I was reading the conference talk by Elder Aliad from this last conference, and I love this thought that he had. He said, Jesus Christ himself is the Lord of lost things. He cares for lost things. That is surely why he taught the three parables that we find in the 15th chapter of Luke, the parable of the lost sheep, the lost coin, and finally the prodigal son. All these stories have a common denominator. It doesn't matter why they were lost. It doesn't matter if they were aware that they were lost. There reigns supreme a feeling of joy that exclaims, Rejoice with me, for I have found that which was lost. In the end, nothing is truly lost to him. And I think at times we all have our own version of wandering in the wilderness. I have definitely seen that firsthand over this past week. And that's just part of this mortal existence that can sometimes be pretty rough. But the Book of Mormon gives us the answers of how to live a joyful life. And if we stick with our Savior, we will not perish, just like Lehi said. We can trust him completely and we can find peace. The next section of the lesson says that when we seek and trust the Lord, he can soften our hearts. And it talks about how even though Laman and Lemuel and Nephi all grew up in the same family and experienced a lot of the same things, there was quite a difference in the way they responded to what was happening. So why do we think that is? I think in part, it's all about their attitudes. Laman and Lemuel seemed very self-focused, 
and they only chose to focus on what was lost instead of what could be gained from their current situation. In chapter 2, verse 11, it says, For behold, they did murmur in many things against their father, because he was a visionary man, and had led them out of the land of Jerusalem, to leave the land of their inheritance, and their gold, and their silver, and their precious things, to perish in the wilderness. And this they said he had done because of the foolish imaginations of his heart. And thus Laman and Lemuel, being the eldest, did murmur against their father, and they did murmur because they knew not the dealings of that God who had created them. And I think that last statement is the key to Laman and Lemuel's problems. When we have hard times, we have a choice. We can complain and focus on all the things that are going wrong, or we can humble ourselves and ask our Heavenly Father for help, and then listen and wait for answers and wait for the peace that will come from doing that. And then you have Nephi, who was willing to look outside of himself and recognize that there was something greater. In verse 16, it says, And it came to pass that I, Nephi, being exceedingly young, nevertheless being large in stature, and also having great desires to know of the mysteries of God, wherefore I did cry unto the Lord, and behold, he did visit me, and did soften my heart that I did believe all the words which had been spoken by my father. Wherefore I did not rebel against him like unto my brothers. Nephi asked and was willing to listen to someone other than just himself. When we feel like we can only rely on ourselves and our own abilities, life can get kind of scary and depressing. But when we pray for something and we ask for help, then we need to trust and then just go and do it and just go and do something. And honestly, we can see through all of these stories that Lehi's family was faced with a lot of impossible situations. Having to leave a comfortable life to wander around in the wilderness is not an easy thing that they were asked to do. And sometimes there are things in this life that we can't get through or accomplish on our own. And the point is, is that we don't have to. We can ask for help, and then when we try, we can trust that our Heavenly Father will be there to guide us all along the way. Over this past week, there have been so many times when I've asked the question, why? Why did things happen with my son the way they did? Why didn't we catch it sooner? Why didn't we get to have the fun weekend that we'd planned? But as I look back over the week and the way that everything happened, I can see my Heavenly Father guiding this situation every single step of the way. I've seen literal miracles, and sure, I could focus on the fact that things turned out a whole lot different than we wanted them to, and I could be pretty upset and bitter about that, or I could focus on the fact that our Heavenly Father's plan is greater than my plan, and that He is aware of and guiding every detail of this situation. And when I've prayed and asked for help in understanding, I felt a lot of peace about that. I think it's all just what we choose to focus on. Laman and Lemuel were focused on themselves and on their worldly possessions, but Nephi knew that there was something more. A few days ago, I was looking at a Facebook forum on this lesson, and people were talking about the differences between Nephi and Laman and Lemuel. And someone made a comment. They said that they thought the difference was that Nephi never asked why. He just went and did things. And I get what they were trying to say, but I kind of disagree with that because I think it's okay to ask why. It's when we ask, why me, that it becomes a problem. And I think that's a big difference between Nephi and Laman and Lemuel. I really don't believe that the Lord just expects us to stoically take every hard thing in our lives without question. It's in the asking why, when we're seeking for peace and understanding, that the Holy Ghost can speak to us. When Nephi says he knows certain things, well, how does he know them? It's because he had a relationship with his Heavenly Father. He knows him and is willing to ask questions to gain his own understanding. And I think that maybe that's one thing that Laman and Lemuel were missing. So then we come to the story of Lehi's family getting the brass plates from Laban. So what do we know about Laban? 
We know that he was a man of great wealth and power living in Jerusalem. We can kind of tell that maybe he was pretty proud of his position and his things. And we know that he had servants and a treasury and some sort of army. And he also has this set of brass plates that had the genealogy of Lehi's family and a record of the Jews. And the Lord tells Lehi to have his sons go to Laban's house and ask Laban for these records. And I'm sure that Laman and Lemuel were somewhat acquainted with Laban, or at least knew who he was. And so when they heard what they were asked to do from their father, they thought it was crazy. And you know what? I'm sure I would have probably had the same reaction. Because I'm sure they knew it wasn't going to be just as easy as them walking up to Laban and asking for the plates and him giving them to them and just sending them on their merry way. But then we have Nephi, and when Lehi tells him what they're asked to do, he says what is one of the greatest statements in the Book of Mormon, and granted there are a lot of them, in chapter 3 verse 7 he says, I will go and do the things which the Lord hath commanded, for I know that the Lord giveth no commandments unto the children of men, save he shall prepare a way for them, that they may accomplish the thing which he commanded them. Nephi was committed to do what he was asked no matter what, and no matter how crazy it may have sounded. Nephi knew the Lord and he trusted him. He was willing to just go and do, and he knew that the Lord would take care of the rest. That is some awesome faith, and I love Nephi's example. So we all know how this story goes. They go to Jerusalem and they get near Laban's house, and they decide to draw straws to find out who was going to have to go talk to Laban. And Laban was the first unlucky candidate. So he took the logical approach and he just asked Laban for the plates. And no big surprise, Laban got mad and threw him out. So Laman got away and went back to his brothers, and Laman and Lemuel were ready to just call it quits and give up. They tried, they failed, the end. <laughs> but Nephi said, no, we're, we were asked to do this, and we're not leaving until we get it done. And so he came up with a plan to get all of his father's riches that they had left behind and offer those to Laban in exchange for the plates. And then he kind of gives his brothers a pep talk to remind them of why they're there and the importance of what they were asked to do. Well, it was a decent plan. But Laban wasn't a very decent guy. So when he saw all their riches, of course, he took them and told them to get out and sent his servants after them to kill all of them. Well, all of the brothers got away and they hid in a cave. And by this point, Laman and Lemuel had had it. They were done and they were mad. And they were so mad, they started beating Nephi and Sam with a rod. And in the midst of all this, an angel comes to them and basically tells Laman and Lemuel to knock it off. And even that didn't totally convince them. The last verse of chapter 3 is one of my favorites in the Book of Mormon because I think it's pretty funny. And also, it's a good reminder to me when I have this same type of attitude. In verse 31, it says, And after the angel had departed, Laman and Lemuel again began to murmur, saying, How is it possible that the Lord will deliver Laman into our hands? Behold, he is a mighty man, and he can command fifty. Yea, even he can slay fifty. Then why not us? These two had just seen an angel, and they had such little faith and understanding that they were worried about a guy who can command 50 men. They have the creator of the universe, the creator of Laban, <laughs> the creator of the earth, and the savior of the world on their sides, and they just choose to see none of that. And that's pretty much what Nephi tells them in verses 1 through 3 of chapter 4. Nephi says, And it came to pass that I spake unto my brethren, saying, Let us go up again unto Jerusalem, and let us be faithful in keeping the commandments of the Lord. For behold, he is mightier than all the earth, then why not mightier than Laban and his fifty, yea, or even than his tens of thousands? 
Therefore let us go up, let us be strong like unto Moses, for he truly spake unto the waters of the Red Sea, and they divided hither and thither, and our fathers came through out of captivity on dry ground. And the armies of Pharaoh did follow, and were drowned in the waters of the Red Sea. Now behold, ye know that this is true, and ye also know that an angel has spoken unto you. Wherefore can ye doubt? Let us go up, the Lord is able to deliver us, even as our fathers, and to destroy Laban, even as the Egyptians." So there's another example of why the scriptures are of great worth. Nephi has all of these examples to look to of times when other people were in challenging situations and the Lord helped them. So he trusted that the Lord would also help him. Nephi had no idea how things would work out. He just knew that they would. And I think that we can take the same approach when we come up against hard things in our lives. My son is living that right now. He had the choice to just abandon this semester and go home when he found out that he was going to have to have surgery and miss the first week of school. But we all felt like the right thing for him to do was to stay. And so that's what he's doing. And yeah, it's been really hard. And at times we are wondering how things are going to work out, but we just know that they will. And sometimes in life, you just have to go with that. I tell my kids all the time that if you're doing the right things and asking the Lord for help, you'll be in the right place at the right time and that things will absolutely work out the way they're supposed to, even if it's way different than what you had imagined for yourself. And what I found is usually that if you're following the Lord's plan instead of your own plan, things work out better than you could have ever imagined. So we all know how this story ends up. Nephi goes to Laban's house at the nighttime and he says that he was led by the spirit not knowing beforehand the things which he should do. He tried his own ideas, and now he was ready to just go for it. And I think the key here is that he did try. He didn't just show up and say, okay, Heavenly Father, make it happen. <laughs> he was willing to put in some effort himself. And I think that when we're humble enough to do that, that's when we qualify ourselves for the Lord's help. When Nephi told his father that he would go and do whatever the Lord asked of him, he was completely serious about that. And he found Laban, who was passed out drunk in the street, and he saw Laban's sword, and he felt the spirit tell him that he needed to kill Laban. Now that's kind of a weird right thing to do, don't you think? <laughs> and I'm always fascinated by this story, because seriously, this could have worked out in any number of easier ways. There could have been a mysterious flood in Laban's house, and they had to move everything outside, and the plates could have just been sitting there for Nephi and his brothers to come along and take. All kinds of things could have happened, so why this? And honestly, there are probably a lot of reasons why this needed to happen the way that it did. But in the end, what I think it did for Nephi is that he proved to himself his commitment. When he said he would go and do whatever the Lord commanded, those weren't just words to him. He meant it. And by doing this hard thing, he knew within himself that he meant it. And so he did it and he got the plates and everything worked out in the end, just like it was supposed to. One of the great promises and lessons that is found in this week's reading is found in chapter 1, verse 20, where Nephi says, But behold, I, Nephi, will show unto you that the tender mercies of the Lord are over all those whom he hath chosen, because of their faith, to make them mighty even unto the power of deliverance. And I hope that our study this week has inspired everyone to have less Laman and Lemuel moments and more Nephi moments in our lives, because Heavenly Father and our Savior are there for us through every single thing we're going through. And those are my thoughts for this week. I want to thank you all for taking a few minutes to listen to my ramblings. This week has been rough. I'm hoping next week will be better. Don't forget that you can find me on Instagram at ComeFollowMeWeekly, or you can email me at cfmweekly at gmail.com. Have a great week, everybody.